remembering or allowing that flow of the elegant, the authentic, the transformational ideas, these structures of data come into your sensory body. Having a way to do that is really important. And that is one secret to moving from exponential change to quantum change. Welcome to the Unlearn Podcast, where host Barry O'Reilly seeks to synthesize the superpowers of extraordinary individuals to think big, start small, and learn fast. Here's your host, Barry O'Reilly. Welcome to the Unlearn Podcast. On this show, I'm delighted to be joined by Peggy Liu, chairperson of JUICE, the joint US-China collaboration on clean energy. And she's been at the heart of greening China since 2007. Named the Green Goddess by the Chinese press and a time hero for the environment, she travels throughout the world to consult with companies and governments on how to catalyze societal scale change, sustainable innovation, and collaborate with China. Peggy's superpower is bringing together people across borders and industries to change the world for the better. She keynotes throughout the world on how China is tackling some of the world's toughest challenges pollution, urbanization, drought, obesity, and diabetics. What can other societies learn without having to become China? And how can they apply these for societal level changes? She's a World Economic Forum global leader, former venture capitalist, and founded one of the earliest e-commerce companies in Silicon Valley, and best-selling author of Mesmerize the Media, Maximize Your Impact for More Press. Yet, in this show, we dive into her current focus on leading exponential change movements, how to build momentum and notice when the universe is winking at you to bring a brighter future into focus. So let's hear how her thinking has changed and evolved to where she is today. As I stand here today, I'm 53, and I look back on my training, my life, how hard I worked to get into schools like MIT and Harvard Kennedy School or what have you. That was really driven by fear and insecurity. My success was really adrenaline-feared, me being a tractor, driving through milepost after milepost. And I really relied on my intellect, first and foremost. I, as a short Asian female in America, (laughs) had to do better than everybody else. But now as I look back, on my successes, and I try to teach other people, I try to mentor other people to change the world. I realize that what I'm teaching, none of that I learned in the traditional manner of business. And really, it was a journey from my head to my heart. Ultimately, if you were to have it in a little nutshell, wrapped up with a little bow, it is the journey of understanding the power of intellect and the brain is not matched at all by the magnetism of the heart. And so what I mean by that is really looking at everything as an emotional energy. And this is something that I've been taught. You know, if you look at Kung Fu Panda and you see people sort of throw people with invisible energy, the chi, you know, from afar, that's actually something that I practiced (laughs) As a college kid, so 30 years now, I was trained in something called the South Shaolin Inner Energy, one finger Zen Qigong practice. And this was 
a practice that for 19 generations was practiced in secret. And in August of 2017, I had this gnawing feeling that if I didn't start to spread this to the rest of the world, it would die with my grandmaster because it's not clear who in this generation, my generation of 20th generation practitioners, could even touch his skill and his devotion to this practice. And so I asked him for permission to start talking about how this Qigong works. What is the power of this Qigong, this energy, this invisible energy that is very, very tangible? And when he said yes, I started to show people this at the World Expos, the World Economic Forum, you know, all the the different places that you might find world leaders and people who have great intellect. And I showed them something that the U.S. business editor of The Economist at the time, he said, you know, you showed me something. I felt something that I've never felt before, but I cannot explain it. And so this energy, this tangible, invisible energy is at the heart of everything that I teach now of how do you bring quantum change to your community, to your world, to yourself in a way that is way beyond sort of the incremental changes that we're seeing in climate solutions or the exponential adoption of Silicon Valley technologies. We're talking about bringing in smart grid into China and revolutionizing the entire country's perspective on the electrical grid within three years. I'm talking about reimagining the country's vision of what prosperity looks like on a day-to-day basis for ordinary Chinese citizens. What is their China dream? Reimagining that so we have a sustainable, environmentally friendly dream. We're living in harmony with nature. We were able to bring that to become the national slogan, China Dream, within three years. So when I say quantum change, this is the type of change I'm talking about at societal scale. And I also have realized during this time that to enable this outwardly to be the change maker, to be the activist, I actually had to start by changing myself. And believe me, that took quantum changes internally to be able to feel and not to think, to be able to see emotion as a tool to craft and to magnetize momentum within myself, but also within others. So this is sort of the intro to something I call tornado leadership. The energy, how do you build the energy of a tornado behind your change that you want to be able to bring everybody along with you to a better future faster? Yeah, no, I'm already excited to have you here to talk about it, right? Like I think so much of what you're saying just resonates in and anything that great I've ever been lucky enough to be involved with. Like you've worked for the big consultancies, you know all the models, the methods to change formulas, cutter four steps or whatever, whatever it might be that we teach. But when you ever ask people when they've been involved in these truly transformative type experiences, whether it's building products or changing the way people think, work, act, whatever it might be, there's always this bit that nobody can really put their finger on to explain what was special about it. And the way we often try to do that is communicate through stories of people telling, oh, well, it was the magic that happened and what was unique about it. And 
like, you know, I, I've been hired by people to come and talk about the magic of what allowed American Airlines to transform or for Slack to change the way that they worked. But you're talking at such a, a level here where we're talking about as a population shift in terms of even in China, a huge sort of social and economic shift in terms of adopting green thinking and the technologies that go with that. And you haven't just done this once, right? You've done this multiple times. And so tell us a little bit, let's just start with you, because I think that's really interesting just from your own story. And then I think we can talk more about how your actual personal change or the things, as you sort of joked about, you needed to change about yourself to make this successful. And then let's talk a little bit about how that's propagated into almost these much larger and wider reaching environments that you're affecting. So tell us a little bit about yourself. What were some of these personal transitions or change or unlearning, as we might say in the show, that you had to go through to get started on this path? Well, I think anybody who's familiar with Tiger Moms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, my wife's uh, Chinese heritage. So yeah. I'm, okay. All right. <laughs> so, I mean, anybody who understands that term Tiger Mom can immediately understand what kind of upbringing I had. I was the first born in the U.S. in my family. And my mom still has sort of, you know, barely good enough English. Father was a very, very successful technologist and I would say inventor, ambassador of the future at IBM for 20 years. And then he led many, many huge shifts like the birth of SQL, the birth of personal computers, the first legal precedent that made software copyrightable an asset. So my own experience growing up was really completely focused on studies and traditional studies and passing tests and getting into the right, right schools. Number one. Yeah, you know it. Yeah. I mean, blah, blah, blah. Right. And I was born at a time and raised in communities that didn't really understand Chinese culture you know, I essentially was ostracized. I didn't really have a social life. And so instead, I read a lot of sci-fi. And I read books like Isaac Asimov's Foundation, which is coming out soon on Apple TV. I read Frank Herbert's Dune, which is also coming out as a movie. I can't wait. And these types of books really triggered for me this tingling in my body every single time I read them. And it was almost like I was remembering what was possible as a creator, as an influencer of your world, your community, your world, your universe, your universes, and all of reality. And I think that this really set me on a path that I very clearly remember in seventh grade, knowing that I wanted to go to MIT to learn how to build robots. And my freshman year, I knew I was on the right path because Isaac Asimov came to speak. (laughs) (laughs) And Leonard Nimoy, but I was less excited about that and more excited about Isaac Asimov. It's an actor. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I was very much a traditional, hardworking Chinese student that has been very successful in the traditional metrics. But I wasn't really taught love. So in Chinese families, it's not normal, especially in my generation and before, to say, I love you to your child. It's just not done. You don't hug your family members or friends. (laughs) That's just not really done. 
you don't actually give compliments. So when you meet, you like your cousin for the first time in a long time, you might say, hey, boy, you got fatter. Hey. I, I was you waiting know? for you to say that. Like, <laughs> constructive criticism. <for> <laughs> Yeah, it's just a greeting. It's just a greeting, you know. You're making and me laugh. So I had to unlearn all that. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm Irish, so I just grew up in a heavily repressive society for any emotional. So I'm, I'm still dealing with that. But I love, I love where you're going with this. Yeah. yeah. So that's a little bit about me. I mean, you could probably draw a little cartoon of me, and you know, I just long, straight black hair. I look pretty much like every other straight A student. But, you know, again, I've had many sort of spiritual callings at different points in my life. And partly, I think this was because my grandfather was a grandmaster of a Taoist sect in Taiwan. And wow. he was the successor to a man named Liu Peizong, who was credited for bringing Taoism to Taiwan from inland China. And so my grandfather is very special. His story is a whole podcast in itself. He started Forge in uh, Taiwan, and he was the treasurer of China at one point. He was a feng shui master. But I remember very clearly when I was younger, him in our, I think it was a California house. So I was in elementary school, very young, and he was meditating. And so I sat down really quietly to the left of him, and I tried to like imitate him and just keep him company because yeah. I thought he was lonely. <laughs> Nobody was playing with him. I should yeah, why would anyone just sit there? And, and, uh, <laughs> exactly. and so he put my fingers in a particular position and I just sat there with him. And I realize now that I inherited a lot of energy from him, so to speak. Mm. And so in many points of my life, I have had sort of winks from the universe to tell me the path that I should be on of how to change the world, that it begins with the perception of yourself and reality. And it's really only been now, since 2017, that I've had the luxury of time to really go back and think about this. And, you know, when I wake up in the morning, a lot of times I just sit there and I think, some people might call it channeling, some people might be calling it, you know, drawing down data, divine data, whatever. But I get a lot of epiphanies during this time. And Absolutely. in the last few months since March, I've been blessed to come across an energetic healer, a Kabbalah mystic, who has taken my teachings of how to change the world and up-leveled them in a way that I could never have imagined. And for two months recently, we traveled to five communities and we really helped transform their karmic possibilities, their destiny, open the door to a better reality, a better future faster. And so one of these communities is the state of the nation of Hawaii, the home of Hawaiian indigenous, the only sovereign nation for the Hawaiian indigenous. Their home, 45 acres, is on Oahu in a town called Waimanalo on the beach and where the waters come flowing down from the cliffs in a myriad of waterfalls that you may have seen on Hawaii Five-0 <laughs> television. <laughs> and I've just learned so much. I've learned so much about perception, how perception is what creates reality. And yeah, I've yeah. learned so much about how to create the future 
by really bringing in the resonance of a future that has already been created, bringing in the energy of being satisfied and ecstatic that you've already won, that it's already here, rather than sort of stewing in past karmic tensions, ancestral trauma, protesting against people who might be sandbagging progress. So I've learned a lot. And now I'm starting to share it around the world. What's really fascinating, though, even as you're describing, you know, your own process, right, of just like learning to get up in the mornings and start to meditate, to focus, like to be intentional about how you want to spend your day, what you're thinking about, getting comfortable with your own thoughts. I think that's something that so many people don't do. And yet those that do it get so much from it. So many people just wake up every day and they're distracted or their attention is drawn into you know, their phone beeping or, or, or something happening, but they don't actually spend any time with their thoughts. And I often find that people who are really great leading change and doing things that are difficult or uncomfortable or challenging for them actually become very comfortable with their thoughts and practice spending time with their thoughts as, as meditation can often drive for folks. So I'm just wondering to start to hear about how how does this start to play into the system that you've built, this sort of tornado leadership that you have not only applied to yourself from having to step away from many of the conventional norms were sort of bestowed upon you, right, as a growing up in the culture and, and way that you did, but that you started to adopt these different, more qualitative aspects, maybe some people would say, about understanding yourself, uh, being able to communicate to yourself for people to understand that it's not just about the activities that they follow or the steps that they do to be a straight-A student, that there's a, a much broader perspective involved in you leading change yourself, but actually being able to lead others through change. So can you share a little bit about how that started to play forward into the system that you've built to help these huge institutions start to shift the way they behave? Because for Nobody Studios, this is massive for us. We're trying to create 100 companies in five years and bring people from all over the world together to work in venture and create new companies. So I'm fascinated about how to start helping not only myself, but others, and then wider societal shifts. One thing that I want to make clear is, is that it's not that I'm moving away from the traditional business environment. So for example, this week I was you know, still quoted in The Economist. I'll still be speaking at the World Economic Forum in a few weeks. And that ecosystem of influencers is exactly the type of people that I want to bring this new perspective to, but use their vocabulary to understand it. So the trick is understanding that the old tools in that business ecosystem will bring you exponential change. There's many books written about Silicon Valley technologies that bring about exponential change. But what I'm trying to show is, is that the heart is really the secret, the key, the portal to quantum change. And now that I'm merging the two, I feel like I'm whole and I feel like I've completely up-leveled. So that's one really important point that I'd like to give to listeners that might be maybe not spending enough time or as much time, I should say, on inner work as their outer work. So can you give us an example then of bringing this to life for people, right? Because folks will be sitting here, you know, I think listening to you even as you're framing this, right? I think um, you're very articulate. It's easy to understand what you're saying and, and agree with it. But how do I take action? What are some of the things that 
me or the listeners could do like right away to start instantiating this? So you asked me about thinking, sitting with my thoughts after I wake up and why that is so important. And I'll give an example of just, I think two days ago, I was a keynote for the Harvard Model UN. And I was sitting as I just awoke, I was sitting in bed or lying in bed. And all of a sudden, things started to click. A little structure for the speech just clicked. And it was just using those words, those four words to give four stories. So Harvard being a model, what united really means, and how nations will really look in the future. So a lot of times I might be in the middle of the day trying to write a speech and it'll come out really differently. It'll have a different tone and honestly, a little bit boring, a little bit more informative. But then when I'm actually formulating or shaping a speech while I'm lying there in bed right after I wake, oftentimes the structure will come in, it'll just click, that creates a transformational speech. And it is much more effective when I deliver it to really change the perspective of the people that are listening, even if it's just a six-minute, 14-minute speech. So I will say that remembering or allowing that flow of the elegant, the authentic, the transformational ideas, these structures of data come into your sensory body, having a way to do that is really important. And that is one secret to moving from exponential change to quantum change. When I talk to communities like the State of the Nation of Hawaii or Pakistan, I did a workshop on reimagining the Pakistani dream for 2047 on Pakistan's Independence Day or the China Dream workshops, what have you. In all of these workshops around the world, I have them sit and embody the energy, the excitement, the euphoria, the satisfaction of already living in the future that they want to create and really sitting in all the little details of life, day-to-day life in that future. And so what you're doing is you're remembering what the future that already exists feels like. And then you have a shortcut through the maze. Instead of going through the maze and bumping around forever, you can reverse engineer the path to the end of the maze. And so I think anybody who is an inventor, an entrepreneur, an innovator, a creative, understands what I'm talking about. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm just nodding along here in my head. I'm like, this is exactly what I'm either trying to think about companies or new products or new worlds spend all the time envisioning how that world is going to be different, like what people are going to be doing differently from today, the different actors in the story, and what's great about their life today, but what could be even better. Very rarely do I ever focus on the problem. People always say, what's the customer problem you're trying to solve? And we actually had Donald Farmer, who ran BI for Microsoft for many years on the show. And that was another thing I learned from him is this notion about what's starting great in the world and making it even better. But so much of this is about envisaging what better looks like, what the world looks like, and how people are interacting differently. And as you say, this shortcut, it really cuts out all the noise. 
Because once you can envisage that, then it's just a matter of the creation process. It's just going and creating that vision that, you, that you've actually identified. So it's really interesting as you describe this, because it resonates a lot with me about how when we think about building companies at Nobody Studios, like this is the kind of process we actually go through. It's part of our process is doing these sort of types of sessions actually with people and teams. So it's fascinating to hear you talk about that too as well and how you've come to that through your own path to get there. Let me explain though how this works energetically because hmm. you know a lot of people are taught this in advertising agencies and it's just like a process, but it's from the mind. Hmm. And what you have done is you've remembered that this is true for you. When you say it resonates for you, you're remembering Absolutely. what works. And so I want to, to share with you a few things. One is, is that, you know, from my perspective, all realities exist already as potential realities, as potential energy. So if you think of the Big Bang, the very, very beginning, everything was potential potentially could happen. The universe was all potential. And then there was a bang and then it became kinetic energy. It became physical energy. And so what I believe is, is that you can choose any number of infinite realities that are available to you already. They already exist. At any one moment, all of them exist simultaneously, just dormant. But to make them come alive, you need to be excited about it, and to believe that it already exists, to have that satisfaction and euphoria, that love for living that life. And that's how you actually make that happen. And the interesting thing from a biology point of view is, is that the heart has a 5,000 times stronger magnetic field than the brain. It has 100 times stronger electric field than the brain. It actually has its own neuron, so it can think and remember on its own, albeit I think it's like 46,000 to 86 billion, but whatever, whatever, you know, <laughs> it's, still, it's still its own, you know, entity, if you will. Some would call it a vortex or a portal, a door, because if you can be a light rod and bring in all of this enthusiastic, euphoric, ecstatic satisfaction of the future, What's going to happen is it magnetizes people that are also aligned with your vision of the future. Absolutely. What I call the tornado. Now, there's many other things that I can share with you that are more quantum physics, quantum manifestation, about toroids and blah, blah, blah. But this might not be the place for it. But what I will say is, is that time and time again, when you think synchronicity is happening, it's really winks from the universe. (laughs) Hey, you're on the right path. Right. And generally speaking, you will get more and more winks as you understand energy waves, resonance, frequency, alignment of energy. You understand how to build angular momentum of this energetic tornado to bring more and more people into this. And what's fabulous is that it's not just a conscious thinking thing, because 95 percent of people's actions are actually subconscious. You're doing stuff while you're awake and sleeping subconsciously because you love it. Not because you feel guilty or because you're scared of the chicken little head, you know, sky falling, but because you love it. And so if you can generate with your heart and you deliver with words and music and you create this energetic footprint that bears this resonance of satisfaction and euphoria and ecstasy, 
of this future that has already been created, then it will naturally happen faster than you can ever believe. I absolutely love this, right? And in many ways, it's something I feel like I'm experiencing at the moment. One of the things that has always been surprising and shocking to me is that when you share your story about something you truly believe in, it does draw people in and they want to know more because they can see. And it does feel like the universe and the stars are aligning. This is something we've seen at Nobody as well, by explaining to people the mission that what we're on automatically brings the right type of people to it. Right? The people who believe in these notions that innovation is changing, that the future is actually going to be created by kids in Nigeria or Delhi who actually have the, the next great ideas that are going to transform society. And how do we actually connect more communities together through technology to build some things better rather than just relying on Silicon Valley or the traditional routes to a certain extent, what we've seen. And so many people resonates with them because it's what they believe. And when you're speaking about something or me or I about some things that we truly believe, people can authentically recognize that. We actually talk about having actually authentic, only authentic people part of the, the company because it just makes so much sense to them. They're not trying to be something else or trying to fit into something that they don't believe in. It's just almost natural to them. It's a calling. It's a, it's a simple choice to make because what other choice would you make? That That's what they believe in. It's been profoundly interesting to me because I've never seen that happen in a way before in something that I've been part of with, with so little friction in a way. You know, this notion of trying to convince people why you're doing something or why it's different or the sales process or of some description that many people often feel like they have to do with change, that they're selling a story or selling a future vision or pitching what something. It, these are all seem like they're you're forcing acts to happen rather than you're riding a wave of something that's meant to happen, that you believe in, that you've chosen, that you've identified and you can communicate to people. So it's much easier for them just to get on board. You know, that word friction, I just want to emphasize for your listeners because the universe and creation, how successfully you create your reality is all about your level of understanding of friction versus flow, of alignment versus non-alignment. That's all that creation is. There's no good, there's no bad, there's just perspective. There's just frequency and resonance, really. And so I'm going to unlearn something for your listeners, which is very, very important. And this is the hardest lesson for people like me who, you know, I was a VC, I was a CEO, an entrepreneur. I, you know, I learned all these, these things about planning and you know, business plans, success metrics, scenarios. I mean, I can, unfortunately... (laughs) Reel them off with with, with intensity, but no belief, right? (laughs) But where does that end up? At the end of the day, where does that end up? Okay, what is the outcome of all that? It's not quantum change. So I'm going to say something that is really shocking that I put into place in 2010, which is that in a tornado, with tornado leadership, If you understand what I'm telling you, and there's no friction, there's just flow, your job is to be at the center of the tornado with a vision delivered with love. But you cannot control the tornado's path. You just can't. So you can speak the outcome, but how you get there may be a surprise. And so in 2010, I consciously gave up business plans, annual reports, success metrics, 
And I just started to really listen to the winks of the universe to tell me that I was on the right path or that I should do, I should focus my energies on a particular change like, you know, the China dream or food heroes for food education of young kids or, you know, whatever. Usually I heard it three times loudly. So I'll give you an example. Last week or a few days ago, for some reason in the span of two days, I had calls or dinners with three people, all of who were doing prizes on solutions for the world's greatest challenges. So Jim Clark of Global Partnership, Lance Gould, that's working with Unleash and Enactus to do Goals Post, and then Hannah Jones, who's the CEO of Earthshot, which is funded by Prince William. All three of them literally talked to me about various collaborations in the span of two days. And so for me, I don't know where that path is going to take me, but I'm listening and I'm going to say yes to whatever they ask me to do, starting with a keynote for the Goals Post event. But this is really, really difficult for people who aren't go with the flow, agile, resilient, feeling comfortable with change type people. But this is the type of person that is necessary not only to lead our world to a new reality at quantum pace, but it's somebody that will be able to be healthy in their own skin, in their own sensory body, because they have less friction. They're not protesting against things. They're not trying to be somebody that they aren't. And so all they have to be is be themselves, their true self, to sing their own song. I love this, you know, like it's giving an explicit system to what some people might say is serendipity, but it's not. It's actually just being open and listening to these opportunities. I always think so many examples in my life, you know, I remember after one of the startups I had very early in my career sort of didn't work out or failed. I went backpacking around South America and my God, it was the best thing I ever did in my life because every day I was just open to opportunities, to just listening to Somebody say, well, what, you know, go for dinner here, or why don't you take the bus to a different direction that you had planned to go? Or it was one of the most interesting and enlightening experiences of my life of just following flow. What felt good? What were the cues I was getting to go and do the next thing? And it's funny as you talk about that in a business context too, as well. You know, like I believe if you're able to truly listen There are so many opportunities out there. You're saying your word is like the universe is winking at you. It's saying, point nudging you in the directions if you're open to hearing it. But so many people are are locked into these plans that they've made or situations that they've agreed to or these expectations that they think society has for them about what they have to do or companies try to manifest it in 25-year transformation plans and the success is executing the plan, not adapting to what you learn along the way. You know, I just think it's fascinating to hear you describe this because even for me, like with Nobody Studios, like, you know, for many years, I've been running a very successful consulting business, worked with people I could never have imagined doing it with in uh, six years ago. But then something happened at the start of this year where I just felt like, you know, it was time for me to do something different. And literally, like two days later, a friend of mine, Lee D, who was working, works at Apple, runs iCloud rang me up and said, I've just met the person you need to speak to about what you want to do next. And as if by magic, that's how I met Mark McNally, you know, and that conversation with each other, we were almost speaking about a reality that we both envisaged 
but had never met each other before ever in our lives. But we were talking about the same place that we wanted or believed the world was going to. And that that is kind of, you know, my own personal probably little anecdote of instantiating what you're sharing. It felt like this was the right thing to do. And more and more things keep reaffirming that. If anything, they're encouraging me to go even bigger, right? And so uh, that's I, kind I of would, fascinating. I would give some of your listeners who may be like, oh, this is too soft and I can't plan on this. I can't feed a family on this. They're feeling slightly uncomfortable with Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I hope hope they are. Yeah, I hope they are. (laughs) I want to explain something as an electrical engineer that was trained at MIT. When I was a freshman, I was fascinated in my 6001 class (laughs) with oscilloscopes, HP oscilloscopes. And you can play with waveforms with a little dial knob. And I'm sure they don't exist anymore. I'm sure they're all digital and, you know, magical and things like that. And you can do them on your iPhone, but this was like a box. And I was just fascinated by looking at these waveforms. Now think about waves in an ocean. Waves in an ocean, when they are going against each other, they cancel each other out. And you might have standstill, clear lake, right? Or just standstill, clear water. But if you have two waveforms that are going in the same direction at the same speed, right, the same frequency, then the heights of these waves, these ocean waves add up together 100%, the amplitudes of these waves. And so you get a taller wave. If you get one that is maybe going askew to another, right, at a diagonal, you start to get chop. So The way to look at reality and life and building momentum and campaigns is really these ocean waveforms. And these winks from the future, if you will, from truth, from a future that already exists, is really when energies align and people already are feeling like vibing with each other, so to speak, right? They're going in the same direction. Then you add together in a taller wave that it's like a lighthouse. It blinks at you. You can see it. It's more visible, right? And a blink and the wave goes down. Blink, the wave goes down, right? So when things are adding together, that tornado builds because all every, you're magnetizing more and more particles and the energy of this tornado, the angular momentum of this tornado is increasing and you see more and more blinks. You see more and more crests of the ocean waves. And so this is what's happening when people talk about synchronicity. It's such a, such a great analogy and way to explain, you know, momentum in so many ways and help because anyone you speak to about driving change or creating something that is unfamiliar or uncertain or unknown to people that we talk about this all the time in the studio, momentum is just so important and the ability to harness it, recognize it, to bring people part of the journey that are going to increase the height of your wave as you're describing it. I think it's just, you know, like that's actually what makes the magic happen. So we've only got a few moments left. So I I have to ask you then for folks who are listening here today, what would be one piece of advice you'd give them to get started on this path? You know, as they start to actually build their own sort of tornado leadership, you've obviously helped China change its whole philosophy around the future of energy. You've worked on huge food programs that are having like a huge impact on society overall. and 
I'm excited to see how many more amazing things you're going to contribute to over the sort of weeks, months, and years ahead. So help others get started with you. What are some of the things that they need to start thinking or trying themselves to go and start to implement this? Well, one easy thing is to take a look at some questions that I put on a Facebook page that we used with the Pakistani Dream Workshop. And this was created out of what we did with China Dream. And that workshop was created by the global creative director of Sachi and Sachi S and evolved with the Ogilvy Green head and the CEO of Edelman in China. And so go take a look at facebook.com slash my.limitless.imagination. My.limitless.imagination. And the first pinned post is a series of, I believe, 13 questions that you can do with you and your community to draw visually or with video clips, or with songs, the answers to these questions to envision the better future that you want to bring forward faster. So I would say, always start by being the James Cameron of the avatar world. Okay, so start there. And then I have decided to write my second book on tornado leadership. And I'm teaching, in the meantime, masterclasses to a select number of people who have the initiative, the interest in learning how to bring in the future faster. And this is a combination of very practical workshopping skills and spiritual keys that I'm going to give people. And I've already been starting to give people around the world. And I'm going to start with a few in-person slash virtual workshops in Hawaii in November and continue to do these online and offline. So I would reach out to me at shanghaipeggy at gmail.com or any other you know, platform, social media platform. I'm Shanghai Peggy pretty much everywhere. And I would also take a look at the more mystical teachings of Brian the Healer. And you can find him at tinyurl.com slash Brian the Healer. Because what I have learned from him is not just what I've spoken about today, but how do you actually detach yourself from the anchors, the sandbags of ancestral trauma, of historical tension, and go back to the future, so to speak, the future that already exists, to create from that. And a lot of this is energetic work that is extremely sophisticated. I'm really just learning from him now in the last you know, since March of this year, the nuances, it's a really an algorithm, an architecture of the nature of reality and how you are the creator in your reality and how everybody who is attached to you emotionally, whether or not you think it's directly or indirectly, past or present emotional entanglements, living or dead people, near or far, these are all parts of your soul network that create your reality. And so that is a much more sophisticated set of teachings that I'm now embedding into my teachings. Together with him, we are transforming the possibilities for communities like the state of the nation of Hawaii and others. Yeah, well, I'm here like on the site, just looking through some of these questions now and already I'm thinking I'm going to put them up on the wall and try and answer a few of them and see where it brings me. Peggy, it's been absolutely fascinating to have this conversation with you and hear how you're bringing a real system to what many people would consider as 
whether it was intuitive or even hard to explain. Um, I just really have enjoyed your examples and your analogies to help people understand how to do this. And I'm super excited to see all the amazing things you're going to continue to do. Uh, thank you very much for sharing your insight with everyone on the show. Thanks, Terry. Thanks for having me in Nobody's, Nobody's Studios. And hopefully we'll be collaborating soon.